This production has been brought to you by the Free Lunch Podcast. Unauthorized use and or duplication of this material without express and written permission from the Free Lunch Podcast is strictly prohibited. This show has been brought to you by the Thomas Allen Collection. The Thomas Allen Collection is a men's accessory line designed to attract and capture a variety of tastes with a unique appeal. Thomas Allen strives to produce an extraordinary design to turn a new leaf on fashion for men and at desired occasions. If I told you once, I told you several times on this podcast that um, when ladies get your man a Thomas Allen collection tie, they'll love it. Gentlemen, get you a Thomas Allen collection tie. Uh, BG, don't you own a um, Thomas Allen collection tie? Yes, sir. And they way fly than anything that's already out there. I got a couple of them, so I recommend going out there and getting some of that flay. Yep, Thomas Allen collection. Um, you can reach him at 678-960-9171, 678-960-9171. Thomas Allen, when time and not really counts. Now on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, a classic. A classic. This love. It's been a long, long time coming. But I know a change don't come. Yeah, I chose the path. The path chose me. It's a love plan. Divide the creeps. Natural high. Window sheet. Up a parallel view. Let the ghetto see. BK. And OLA. Welcome to Free Lunch Podcast, home of the New South Movement. This is your boy, Tight Tight, one half of the Free Lunch Podcast duo. I got the main man with me, BG, the 2 7 kid. What's happening? Yep, this BG, the 2 7 kid, Free Lunch Podcast, doing what we do. How you feel, Tight Tight? Man, I, I feel pretty good. I'm I'm anticipating today's podcast because it's very personal, personable for me. Uh, it's gonna be a topic and a conversation that's very appropriate for for the month of October. Uh, but it's very personalized for 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 me, and I think the podcast family and listeners are gonna enjoy and really learn a lot about about uh breast cancer and. And just what this whole month is about, and and et cetera. And I'm excited to have this person on today. This is this is one of our day one supporters, somebody okay. that was that's been riding with us since the very beginning. When these shows weren't quite what they are today, so I'm excited <laughs> to have her on and give her opportunity to talk to the people and spend some time with us today. She's she's definitely a very faithful listener. Faithful listener. I've known her my entire life, uh, <laughs> and I think I think once we introduce her. Everybody will know exactly how and why. Uh, but I think she has a story and a testimony uh, for you biblical and Christians out there. Testimony. <laughs> <laughs> she has a testimony that um, that's going to be very appropriate for, for this month. But for me, it's going to be very interesting because, to be honest with you, I don't think that she's told this story um, to a large number of people. I know I have never heard her really tell a story. So for me, it may even be an emotional podcast because I have I've never heard her tell the story, but it's one that um, that I'm happy that she that she's willing to tell on our podcast, especially since I've tried to get her on the podcast for several other reasons uh, to kind of debate and kind of go back and forth about some of the different principles and and ideologies that that she and I agree on and and even at times disagree on so it's going to be very entertaining and that's what makes the free lunch podcast so special because like we always say no games no gimmies this is like real stories real testimonies and and, and just stuff that people are sharing that may in some form or fashion help somebody you know somebody else who might be going through something similar or might have family members dealing with it so we're extremely grateful for our guests, and we're also extremely grateful for this opportunity, this platform to do what we do. So, so I, I do want to do a throwback, though. Yeah, we're going uh, back. We're going to take I, it I back. Want, I want to do a throwback simply because I know that 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 this particular faithful listener, she 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 has enjoyed um, this particular segment of the show, and so before we even bring her on, I did want to do a quick throwback to kind of acknowledge today's topic and conversation and properly bring on what you think throwback 
for a throwback Thursday. Is that what they say? Throwback Thursday? That's right. You're right on time, man. Throwback Thursday. So, can I do it for the Vine? So, for our new listeners, <laughs> this is the Vine. This is the segment that way back when we used to start off all our shows and type. It's gonna bring it back for us. So whenever you're ready, my brother, get it to him. And this is and, and and right, we do have a lot of new listeners, so I'm happy you gave that caveat and that disclaimer. But uh this not this is not gonna be something that we do a lot of moving forward, especially <laughs> considering the, 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 the talent and and the different guests and, and that we've brought on, the A list guests, but I do wanna do it because I know that that this particular listener, she and she enjoys them. Bro, do it for the vine. Mama, <laughs> mama, you know I love you. Mama, mama, you're the queen of my heart. Your love is like tears from the stars. Mama, I just want you to know. Loving you is like food to my soul. <laughs> nah, did you did you kick your head back and close your eyes on that one? I did, I did, I did, I did. As I was prepping for the show, I wanted to make certain that we probably blame on uh, well my done. mother, my mother, who uh, she's like like BG said earlier, she's been a very faithful listener. She supported us since day one. Uh, she has a very interesting story and testimony that goes all the way back to even 2005. So 10 years celebration uh, for this particular month of October and, and breast cancer awareness month. And for me, like I mentioned earlier, it's a story that I really haven't, haven't discussed or heard her tell. So I'm going to be very intrigued to, to really have her walk us through uh, her journey and her story and, and really be a blessing to other women that may, be going through a similar time now or have gone through this because it's very important but she doesn't even know this um but even each and every october in in her honor and in her memory i support uh breast cancer awareness through different initiatives that we have at a company that i currently work for so uh no further ado i would like to introduce to the free lunch podcast family uh, my mother, someone that I, that has known me my entire <laughs> life. How are you doing today, mama? I'm doing good. Doing very hey. good. Miss <laughs> Mary, we got you on the free lunch podcast. You ready? Yeah. I'm glad that you all aren't seeing me because that vine really made me start laughing. Oh, <laughs> it made, it made Ain't nothing wrong laugh. with laughing. That's usually what I do. So you are. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I've tried to get you, let the audience know. How 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 many times I've tried to get you on this particular show? Oh, it's been quite a few. Timing is definitely everything, and I think this is like one of the, the perfect timing for her to come on and grace us. So before we even get get into your story, how was I as a little as a little boy? And tell the truth now, go ahead and let the people know me, Mary. He was pretty good, boy. He was pretty good. He um uh did good in school. He paid attention a lot. He was uh Jeremy. <laughs> it's only one Jeremy. It's only one Jeremy. Yes, my mama used to call him the boss man, the yeah. businessman. The business. I wonder. Man. I wonder the why he called him man. Yeah. He's still performing that way. He called himself the boss D day, Mary. That's it. The He's boss. the businessman. But we brought you on, not so much to talk about me, but I did want to kind of ease you into 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 this episode because we're in the month of October. And back in 2005, you were diagnosed with having breast cancer, and 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 now ten years later, you are a breast cancer survivor. Uh, it's the best. It's the right word to say it. But can you kind of talk about back in go, taking us back to 2005? Because for me, um, I was actually living in Houston, Texas during the time, so I wasn't in in Mobile, Alabama, where you live and were experiencing what you were experiencing back during that time. Can you talk about how you even became aware um, that you had breast cancer? I have been had a mammogram done for a long time. I started probably back, uh, ooh, about it's been about thirty years now, I guess. But I've always had mammograms done, and um, because there's a history of breast cancer in my family, uh, my mother she was uh, 
double mastectomy. And this particular year, I did a self-breast exam, and I discovered that I had a lump between and under my arms. And um, when I felt that lump, it was close to time for me to go for my annual physical. So I said I would just wait till I got to the doctor's office, which it was in the same week. And um, I did go to the doctor's office, and as a result of me letting him know what I had found, then he sent me over immediately for a mammogram. What triggered you to even do a self-evaluation in July? Was it anything in particular that kind of drew you to that particular area? Uh, was it a conversation or a sermon or anything that you had recently had that week? Can you recall what triggered you to do a self-evaluation? Part of uh, what you're taught, do a self-examination, have a mammogram, or just for, to know your body. Um, you saw your OBGYN. He directed you to go see a specialist, I'm assuming, to do a mammogram. Was it the same day? He scheduled a mammogram, and so I went on over to to have a mammogram done. And um, as a result of the mammogram, I guess they saw something on the screen, and so then they told me I needed to go and have another uh, test done. And so the doctor did uh, direct me to go to have an uh, ultrasound. So I went to the ultrasound and the doctor, he talked to me and he told me that I needed to have another test done, which was a biopsy. So all of this happened within two days. And it was when you had the biopsy, biopsy. when they did the actual biopsy, that's when you actually identified two days later that you that you actually had cancer. Yeah, well, I had to go to a surgeon's office. And when I went to see the surgeon, he did this in his office with a needle with no anesthesia or nothing, just, you know, like take the needle and stick it in and draw out pieces Mm -hmm. of the tissue. And so then I had to wait because I think this was like on a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. So I had to wait for the results of that of that biopsy. And the, the thing about this is I was at, I had to schedule it in between work. So I was at work, had to have somebody come in to relieve me to go to the doctor's office. And when I got there, he did this in the office with no deadening or anything, just, you know, the needle in, get the tissue out. Then I had to go back to work after that. As you're going through this process of these, you know, these, this short span of time, like what were the thoughts that were going on in your head? It wasn't really much time to do much thinking because it was such a, everything was going so fast. Right. But um, I don't know if I was really scared at the time or, you know, exactly what was happening, but I know that everything was happening so fast. So it wasn't like it was going to be a long drawn out thing to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because everything, everybody, everything jumped on so fast. So quick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was real quick. You said you went back to work. How was that, going back to work, knowing that you just had had a piece of tissue um, essentially taken from you to look and see if it was cancerous or, or what have you? It was kind of rough. And the reason I say it was rough is the fact that I hadn't told anybody at work about anything that was going on. The only person who knew was me and, and my husband. We were the only two that knew something was going on outside of the doctors. So going back to work, I couldn't express any pain <laughs> right? because I was just going, you know, and come back to work. And then I was working a 13-hour day, so I didn't have time to think about anything mm-hmm. other than get back, jump back in and go to work. When did you actually get the results that it was cancerous? That following... Um, Monday, I went back to uh, to the doctor's office. Actually, no, I didn't go back to the doctor's office. Actually, they called me um, when I was at work that Monday, and the nurse told me uh, the result, and it was a negative report, you know, that it was cancerous. So it was a sinking feeling, but it wasn't like, um, I wasn't like devastated. I didn't didn't express anything out to but people at work knew what was going on. You continue life to the best of your ability as is, um, knowing that this was something that you were you were fighting, you were, you would want to overcome. It's something well, you know, I was I you know, I believe God and the word of God and so at that particular time I guess whatever word God had in there about peace it, it was like that peace came on me, even though I had received a negative report. I never accepted it to the fact that this is going to take me out or take me over. 
I never did that. I never got to that point. And it's interesting that you say that because even me, BG, um, <laughs> seeing my mom go through this, I never in my mind felt like cancer was gonna was gonna defeat my mom. And it, and and I say that like without any doubt. Like I never. I, I mean, it was I was kind of in denial, maybe. And it wasn't until when I actually came home, and we'll get to this point when she was going through um, chemotherapy, et cetera. But for me, you know, when she told me, I was like, oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. It was just something that I never even accepted. Call it fake. That's what that is. <laughs> it it, it that's, is, that's, but I didn't even is. Yeah, and I didn't even accept the fact that that, that that was something that she was diagnosed with, I guess is the point that I'm making. And, Mama, what I wanted to ask you, was as we use this platform in this podcast to kind of talk to those that someone that may listen to this podcast, uh, we got more of your story to tell, but what would you tell them um, if they get that kind of negative report or that news, what would you want them to take away from, from that type of news? If they, if, if someone tells them that they've been diagnosed with, with cancer? Well, what I would, Tell them is never accept it as yours because what you plant in your mind, that's a seed that, that could be planted in your mind. And that seed can be the thing that causes you to go out. Not the fact that you have a negative report or a bad disease or the doctor say you have cancer or whatever it is. If you don't accept that, not that you're denying that that is there, but you don't let it become it overtake you because a lot of people, I think things overtake them, not from the fact of what they have, but from the fact that they accept it because the mind is a powerful thing. And so if I was to take that and say, like, it's so bad, it's so devastating, then my body is going to follow my mind. So I had to make certain that my mind was right mm -hmm. and to accept the things that I knew I, that I was taught, you know, growing up in my family, my mom, my dad, being sick wasn't an option. <laughs> Right. And, and so even, we and did, even you know, with us, right? Because how many days of school did we miss a, a school? I tell you, it wasn't many. You know, it's like you're sick, huh? <laughs> Let's go. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. BG, when I tell you we didn't miss no days of school, only only day I remember ever missing the school was because I had the chicken pox. Yeah, you got to be bad sick. I can relate to that. I know all about that. But at the end of the day, you get them perfect attendance awards, my brother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you get them perfect attendance awards, definitely. And that's something that that me and my, my, my brother and my sister can acknowledge. But as we get back to the actual, to your story, mom, you've been informed that you have the cancer. What does the doctor tell you? Well, uh, everything now is with the surgeon at this point. So he lays out the different options that I could do. It could be a lumpectomy or mastectomy or, or refuse surgery at all, you know, but I chose to, uh, have a lumpectomy where they just took out that particular uh, area where the lump was. And so as a result of them taking out that lump, there's a whole lot of other things that came into play with that. Uh, when I had my surgery, it was right at the time of Katrina. Um, I had surgery, I, oh, I think it was a Friday before Katrina came. At this time, do your does your uh, company know that you have have cancer? Or did you even communicate the, to them yet? No, not that I had. They, I just, you know, I had to have a, had to have surgery, and it was an outpatient surgery. So at this point, I had not expressed. You know, you have to be careful who you talk to and what you share because all of that plays a part into your recovery, in my opinion, into your healing and recovery. Everybody can't accept your your what you feel and how you're gonna respond to things, and so. You don't want to get that negative feedback coming into you from somebody else. Very good. I was very careful of who I had to talked to at that particular point. Katrina is about to occur. You decided to have a surgery. Can you kind of talk us through that particular those particular events? I uh, went in to have outpatient surgery. It was on a Friday. And the doctor told me that at the time that they were going to do the surgery, that they were also going to um, remove some lymph nodes. So they could test the lymph nodes to see if it had spread other than the area where it was. So uh, they prepped me. And even when they did the test for the lymph nodes, and that was something that they didn't give you anesthesia for as well. In fact, they didn't, uh, put a dye in and they let it go through for a while so it could spread and highlight the areas that have 
that if everything, anything has spread, then it will highlight those areas. Well, for me, when they did the, um, the test before the surgery, they did that before the surgery, you know, the dye. But then they went in and did a removal of the lump, and they also removed some lymph nodes. And they found two positive lymph nodes for cancer, and they removed a total of 17. So two out of 17 was positive, meaning that the cancer had gotten into my bloodstream somewhat. So so this was all, this had all happened as part of you going in for the surgery and then identifying that some of the cancer had, had basically spread into um, into your bloodstream. Is that accurate? That's correct. Oh, wow. Right. So this is all in 2005 still? Everything is 2005. In fact, this is a month from, about a month out from the time I first found the, the lung. So we're still not even uh, maybe 30 days out now. Right. And so it was had been basically trying to spread that fast. Uh, yeah. So after the surgery, um, they're able to remove to remove the lumps. They 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 did a lumpectomy. They removed the lump, but also they removed lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. And you know the lymph nodes are important in your body because it helps ward off and fight off infection. So uh, having to remove two find, finding two lymph nodes that were positive, but removing a total of seventeen. Mm -hmm. You know it kind of can affect your body. Overall, Miss Mary, let me ask this question, and I may it may be in my ignorance, but we talked about that that area that you identified the lump from a preventative uh -huh. standpoint. Do they go and examine maybe your other breast at that time, or do they not do anything until they, there is some reason to start investigating? No, they um, I had a a mammogram at the very beginning, so the mammogram itself is for both oh. breasts. You know, they told that all of that. You know, so. If anything had been, you know, on the other side, then they would have found Seen it, it at, at the time point. of the, possibly at the mammogram, but definitely at the ultrasound. Right, okay. When mm -hmm. they removed those two lumps and those 17 lymph nodes, had that actually removed all of the cancer and the cancerous cells from your body? To my ignorance, I thought it did. Right. <laughs> but that's not, that's that's not, not how it was. Right. Um, right. Even during, okay, during the time that... It was a, I, I saw God's hand at work in the whole process of everything that was going on with me because at the time that they, that I had my surgery, like I said, Katrina was on the way, mm -hmm. which, you know, it was pre preparing for a hurricane. Well, this happened on a Friday and I was scheduled to go back to the doctor that Tuesday where Katrina hit somewhere in that time period. So it wasn't like everybody was out and about doing things. The doctor's offices pretty much was closed. Mobile was pretty much shut down because even though Katrina wasn't a direct hit to Mobile, we got a lot of the side effects. So even in that, spending time with the lights going out and I'm at home, you know, recuperating from a surgery, it's kind of bad. You know, you're in the dark and you're trying to maintain and, you know, so it was a little bit difficult in that aspect. But even in that, the doctor met me at his office on that Tuesday for my scheduled appointment, even though most offices were closed. Mm -hmm. So they came, you know, met me that particular day to check out the the surgery site and everything. And then I had to schedule a follow-up appointment with him. Mm -hmm. And it was during that follow-up appointment that he told me about all the other things, <laughs> the other options that were out there for me at that particular point. Right. Cause I was under the impression that we did the surgery. It was only two lymph nodes affected. Everything is okay and ready to go. But he was like, no, you either, you're going to have to have radiation and chemo at this point now. And when he communicated that, did, how long did he tell you or how many treatments did he tell you that you would need or how long did he say that process would be? Okay, he, he was a surgeon, so he did not have any idea about all that. He did his part as far as removing the, the cancerous cells and identifying the lymph nodes. So he he referred me to uh, a chemo, um, an oncologist. So he referred me to uh, two doctors. See, all these, they, they work in groups. You know, this particular hospital have different doctors who they operate, they operate out of that hospital. 
And then, you know, in Mobile, you have this particular hospital here and they have all doctors here. Then they have other hospitals over there who have their group of doctors who does the same thing. So him being at the particular hospital he was, he referred me to two uh, doctors who was close by in this particular hospital area. You know, they have rights at certain hospitals. So he referred me to two doctors, a, radi a radiologist and a um, oncologist. One for the reason I had to have radiation and chemo is that radiation was to take care of the area where the surgery was, just in case something was a minute piece was left there or dropped during the surgery. So that's why radiation had to occur. And chemo had to occur because it had reached the bloodstream through the lymph nodes. So to my ignorance at that time, I thought I was through, but it wasn't. It was kind of like just the beginning. But was that was that devastating? What what's your mindset when the doctor tells you that I mean you had basically just completed surgery and yeah. you are basically in your mind you're saying, Woo, I'm happy this is over with, this is successful, but then to hear that you have uh, more more radiation or more chemo treatments that you'll have to undergo. That was kind of startling at that point. Now I never that was a uh I don't know what word to use. It wasn't it wasn't pleasant at all. <laughs> yeah, but I knew that, you know, I was I never said I wasn't going to do anything cuz I knew I was going to do everything I needed to do. See, you know, I believe in healing, but I also believe God gives us common sense and to do certain things, you know. So I knew I had to go through the radiation, through the chemo. It was only when I went to talk to uh one of the doctors for radiation, he gave me, you know, his treatment plan. And then I saw the, uh, the oncologist, and he gave me his treatment plan. Well, it was during those the, the visits with those two doctors, I think that, to me, I guess, was my lowest point is because it was at that time that I knew uh, what chemo was going to do. Right. And I wanted to talk to about me. that. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was at that point that, that I realized the scope of what all I was facing. How long did they say the process was going to take? Well, they kind of gave me a treatment plan. And let me tell you, when I said, when I mentioned a few minutes ago about the different hospitals and the different doctors in this thing, I never, when I, the first two doctors that I talked to, the, radi the radiologist, he was kind of okay, but I didn't connect with the, the oncologist. It was some way I didn't feel like, I mean, I don't know what, how the word, what the words are, but it wasn't like he, I guess he did care, but it was something not quite right with that meeting. So, you know, I was scheduled to, um, they told me I would have to have a, a port put in and a port is something that they put in, implanted in you so that they can administer the chemo through. Well, I was scheduled to have that done, and it was going to be done by the same doctor who did my surgery. And uh, they was everything was scheduled. I was supposed to go have the surgery. Maybe I can't remember if it was like today, and then well, I mean tomorrow. But somewhere in there, me not feeling comfortable with the doctor who was had my treatment plans laid out, I was started to talking to different people about uh, different doctors or who they knew or who they had gone to or. There were some people who had been through it. So talking to the different people, uh, there was one particular lady I talked with, and she told me that she had gone to, well, no, I had talked with a friend of mine, husband, and he recommended a particular uh, group of doctors to go to. And then I talked with a lady, and she recommended a different group of doctors to go to. So now I have three hospitals involved. Well, the day I was supposed to have the next day I was supposed to have a port put in is when I changed my mind about going to the doctor who I was originally going to, and I chose to go to a different hospital group. I think it was kind of unprecedented because they don't, they want you to stick all with the same group, but then you have to look at it as your body. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to follow everything that they lay out for you. You choose what's best for you. So I had surgery done at one hospital. I chose a different hospital to get my chemo and radiation going. But you know what, Mama? You bring up a good point. And BG and I 
we did a we did an interview that we're gonna release next month um that that kind of talks about uh mental health and one of the the feedback that was actually discussed during that interview was was picking the right type of doctor making certain that right. you ask the right questions and you connect with with that doctor and if you don't feel comfortable then it's okay for you to say uh for you to pick a, to go interview other doctors essentially and and take another doctor so even from that perspective i think this is a very teachable moment um especially to listeners or to to people that may experience this themselves whether it's with breast cancer or with any type of visit with a doctor don't feel obligated to have to use a doctor that someone recommended or that the hospital recommended if you don't feel that connection or feel as though that person has your best interest at heart then i think you have the right to to go and seek seek out someone else yep i feel like that because like i said i was doing things at one particular hospital group but then you know, that it didn't fit well with me or for me. And, you know, I was listening not just to the, what the people were saying, but then within your, within myself, I also knew what I was looking for. So, you know, I'm praying to God all the time anyway about this situation. And, and I'm listening to what people are saying, but at the end of the day, I have to make the decision. So I, t- I had an appointment scheduled to go see a different uh, uh, oncologist a different radiation doctor group and um, the doctor who I was scheduled to go see, he was booked. So, but they scheduled me to see another doctor that was in that group. And um, I didn't know anything about that particular doctor, but when I got there for them to do, uh, you know, do a workup on me and start seeing uh, what my plan, what their plans were, this particular doctor had come to Mobile just like a few days before I got there. So, you know, in my thinking, when I look back overall, I've, if in the whole, after the whole process was over, this particular doctor left right after everything I had to go, had going on was complete. Right, so in right. my mind, I see God sent this person there to take care of me. It was a guy during this period of time, right? And and when she was she when and it was a lady uh, oncologist. She came from Texas, and her treatment plan was totally different than the treatment plan that the other doctor had laid out for me, and it worked for me. So what was the plan? Because uh... okay, uh, well, um, I was gonna I had to have uh, chemo first, and chemo was gonna be every other week, and it was it lasted from September to December. So I had my whole plan had changed from what was going on at the very beginning. And I did go in and spend time well um talk to to my pastor and we talked about it and we prayed and he prayed for me, you know, about the whole playing the whole situation. Shout out shout out to LWCC. LWCC. Read <laughs> <laughs> you. That's so, our um, that's our home church. That's where we that's where we attended. That's why I attended growing up, and that's why my mama yeah. is a on the board. She on the board. <laughs> oh. No, no, I'm just, no, I'm a member. <laughs> she more than a Listen. member. Don't believe that. My brother. I, I, I know what that means. BG, that BG means. my brother runs the runs the media board. Uh, he's a he's a part of the media board. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, part of the media yeah. team that we've been going to that church since since we were since we were young since we were mm-hmm. little you know and at this time i am i have talked to my to people i have talked to my um supervisor at work and let let them know that i you know what's going on and what's gonna be happening and i had started to talk to family members and telling them about what's going on and what's starting to happen once I got the catheter put in, then there was the, the plan was laid out for me to uh, start my chemo treatments. And the first one was the end of September. So now we're two months out and I was having uh, chemo every Thursday. The way my work schedule was is I was working 13 hour days. I was working uh, two days on, two days off and a three day weekend. So 
when my chemo started, I had it arranged for me to have my treatment on that Thursday before my three-day weekend came around. So I would have chemo on Thursdays, and then I was already off on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then I was scheduled to go back to work on Mondays. But um, the first round of chemo, it was I would go in that morning, and it would be a combination of two drugs that I was given. And they were given in an IV over a three-hour period. So I was, you know, in there. It takes a while before, you know, they do some work up and all that on you. And then they started and they just sit there and they run through the IV. And once it's complete, then, you know, you you know, you know can go ahead and leave and go home. And then the next day I was scheduled to go in to have a shot, what they call a new laughter, which was so to help you keep your blood counts up. And um, I think that was worse than the chemo was to me. <laughs> because it made me feel really, really bad the next day. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I would get my treatment on Thursday. I would go back Friday morning for the new laughter shot, and then I would be off Saturday rest, and then I would get up Sunday morning and go to church because it was important to me to make certain that I was still uh, doing If I was going to go to work, then I definitely needed to be going to church. Along with that modification, in your schedule, were you having to modify anything like your diet? Did you have like physical activity limitations, anything like that to go along with it? That was nothing that was, well, yeah, the diet part of it was be careful what you eat because your body is, your immune system is down low. So eating fresh, like eating fresh fruits and vegetables that weren't cooked wasn't good, wasn't advisable. Because in case something was on them, then you might, you know, you're subject, subjecting your body right. to possibly infection and stuff like that. Right. Exercise was, was what you could do. And it wasn't so much that there were limits and restrictions other than what I just said, you know, right. uh, because the chemo is going to take care of that anyway. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. when you're doing chemo, there's no restriction on what you can eat, but then your body itself your taste buds change and it, it your body becomes tired quicker. So mm-hmm. it's not so much the restrictions are put on you is that your body itself demands that you do certain things different. Right. And I, as far as like eating, the, the thing with the eating came is that you could, they want you to eat, you know, there were certain things that they, like they recommended uh, sweet potatoes because they were good for helping your blood count to stay up. See, if, if you ever went in and they did your blood work and your blood count wasn't right, then you couldn't do your chemo that day. But so that that's why they would give the new laughter shot the next day to help your blood counts to stay up. But then also, you know, eating sweet potatoes would help keep your blood count up. So the food part came is like the taste buds were thrown off because of the chemo. And you knew what a piece of cake was supposed to taste like. But then when you ate it, it didn't taste like that. So those things were the ones that caused me to stop eating certain foods that I, you know, wanted to eat. You know, I would get eat one or two bites. And next thing I know, it's like, I don't want it anymore. And I think it was more of a mind thing because than it was of a, you know, because you know what, you, what it's supposed to taste like. And it didn't taste like that. So, gotcha. um I would eat certain. I would eat foods that I didn't like or didn't know what it was supposed to taste like, and that helped me far as eating goes. Yeah, I I do want to talk about this because what was the most visible for me, and 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 even with church members or even at your job, um, for people that know my mom, BG, and just my, our family is that the women in our family have very nice, long, pretty hair. It's just natural hair. Um, and that was something that my mom had. If you look at our old pictures that we have, um, she just had nice hair, the, the type of hair that, that women want, to, uh, that these girls try to go go out and purchase. That was just my mom's hair. But um, during that time, and I remember the conversation you had with your stylist at the time, uh, but before you even got started, and that's kind of what, what kind of, stood out to me but can you kind of talk about 
you losing your hair and what that did for you and and how you felt because you started wearing a lot of hats at the time and, and scarves and and how uh, people kind of perceived you even during that period. Yeah, um, I did have a talk with my hairstylist, and the thing that um, you know she would at one point when it, I uh, started the chemo, she did cut my hair some, and then when I would go home and I would comb my hair or brush my hair and it would literally come out in chunks at the time. It was, that was kind of, I don't know whether hurtful (laughs) because I didn't realize the amount of hair that was on my head at the time. I didn't realize the, the texture of my hair at the time. But when you comb it and it just comes out in clunks at a time, it does affect you. But then at that point, I said, wait a minute, you know. And so I started to cut my hair myself out because I didn't want the chemo to take it all out. I wanted to be in control of my hair coming out more than the chemo itself. Even though it was the cause of it coming out, I was the one who I never get the chance again in my life to, uh, you know, to cut my hair so I just cut it all off myself. Well, and I go ahead. I said and I and that during that time I didn't want to to wear a wig because I think personally I would have gone out with nothing on, with no hat on, no scarf on, no wig on. But I don't know how other people could have taken it. <laughs> you know? Right. That's what so, I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you, what would you tell um, someone that's going through this now because we all know that hair is important to, to, to a lot of women. And so what type of words of encouragement or inspiration would you share with them? Because even the act of you taking the the step to go and cut it yourself again, to me just shows the mind frame that you were in when you basically were overcome, when you basically were defeating cancer. Uh, and that oh, yeah. mindset being, hey, I'm in control, um, and so I'm going to dictate how this this particular disease um, affects me. Right. Well, uh, I realized at that point, you know, you know, I I can remember having a conversation a while back, and it was, you know, talking, I talking conversation with God, and it was like, you know, if that ever happened to me, I would just I would just uh, go like that, not knowing that it was going to come to that point. So I would realize that my hair is not me. It was just, it was, you know, it was nice and all of whatever it was, but it's not me. So I've said I was going to start wearing scarves and I would wear hats. So I never wore a wig. I would just take a scarf and I would tie it and I would, you know, tie it on my hair on my head and work like that, you know. So people at work, it was, that was a point that I did let people at work know before my hair started to come out, you know, and why, you know, before I started wearing scarves that I was going through and that through chemo and radiation. What would you, but what would you tell women that are going through that now? Like what would your words of encouragement or inspiration be? First of all, that it let I mean, it's the person now. If you want to wear a wig, it's fine for whoever wants to wear a wig. It's fine. If you don't want to wear it, fine. If you want to go out ball, fine. Because you are more important about your self confidence than what somebody else might think about how you look. So it's important that you take control of your life and your body. And don't worry about what somebody else has to say. I was at work one day, and these two old ladies came up, and they saw me standing up there, and they could see the change in my body, and my physical appearance was changing, and I was wearing my scarves and my hats and all that, and they could see it, and they were standing outside, and they were talking about, oh, look at her. She's going through say You know, they were saying, pretty much saying, uh, out loud. Uh, she has a terminal she has a terminal illness, these two old ladies. And they I said it out loud. I could hear him. Oh, and I turned around and I looked at him. I said, don't be talking that negative stuff over me. 
And I mean, I'm at work, you know, and they, you know, and I, and I wanted to tell them we all have a terminal illness from the day we we're born. We're, we're dying. Dying. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, that's kind of how I dealt with it. Uh, I never let anybody talk negative about me or around me or feed me with negative thoughts or words. That's that that's powerful right there, BG, because we talk about thoughts create things and we talk about the, the type of world that you create. And I think that when you're going through something of that nature, especially considering um, other stories that we had when, when my little cousin was on the show and how uh, my aunt, she passed away from having a tumor. So. Um, I think, and, and she always, what would she say, Mama, 100% and blessed of the Lord. She right. she kept a positive mindset as well. So I think your mindset is is, is very important. Um, you, see, we, though, you know, we go to Living Word Christian Center. LWCC is Living Word. So we have been taught the word, and we've been taught about the power of the word and how God, you know, helps us through, through, through life. So the word has been implanted in us for a long time. So it was just that we stood on the word. And what I did was I found a scripture that I used. This this scripture is Isaiah. It says, and by his stripes, you were healed. So I got that in my mind. I said, I was healed. So right now it's a manifestation of something else, but my total healing is coming forth. And that's, kind of what I walked in as well. Amen. And everybody needs to find what their scripture is or what their word is or what they're going to hold on to and hang on to. It's going to take them through whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be illness or sickness. It could be a trial at your job or it could be your child or whatever, but you need to find something that's going to anchor you until you meet or reach that goal. You went through and you completed the, you completed the treatments. At the, the end chemo. Of the, yeah, the chemo. And then I had radiation to come after that, which was started in January of that next year. And how long did that go? From January to March, I was uh, doing radiation. And radiation is uh, it's different than the chemo. The chemo is every time I had to have chemo treatments, then my husband, he took me to the chemo treatments. And it was more difficult but then for the radiation treatments i would drive myself to the radiation and i would be there early in the morning and then i would be at work at eight o'clock so and that was monday through friday i did radiation five days a week and at it was even during the radiation that my hair started to grow back during the radiation what's happening i got my first tattoos (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what they do is they tattoo your did, body. Did it say, they did it say them, thug life on it? Yeah, I'm thug now. No, no. <laughs> no, they, um, no they, um, they have to put markings on your body so they know where to aim the radiation. And they, they do give you uh, permanent marks, but they're like the size of a pin head or ballpoint pin. They do. And so I have like four markers on my body. But then what they do is they aim directly at the area where the surgery was so that they will make certain that any cells that was around there are are actually dead so that it doesn't spread anymore. And that was like from, like I said, from January to March. Five days a week. Five days a week, yep. And you say you you say that you did drive yourself to work after that? I would drive myself to radiation, and then I would drive to work, and I would work uh, all day long. Now, the, the the worst one of the bad side effects that I experienced, not from the radiation, but from the chemo, but it was occurring more during the chemo, uh, more during the radiation because the chemo had completed. But my fingernails turned black, my fingers and toes. Was uh, I was experiencing neuropathy. Uh, I would my I would itch all over my body. Once I if I worked to 12, 13 hours and I was okay as long as I was moving and working. But as soon as I got in the car to ride home, then all the tingling and all that would start up, and it would burn and itch uh, 
for a long while. But then I would, would mentally quiet my body down, and then it would like calm down after that. Wow. You attempted Miss Barrett to, to to leave to leave that treatment and then go stand up in that in that station for for thirteen hours because I can't hardly do it thirteen hours and I ain't had no treatment. <laughs> That was that was part of it, you know, and I you're, just never I never sick. wanted to, to be sick. If that make any sense. Right. So, it makes a lot of sense. You you basically you you went through the process but you you basically treated every day and each day and each week as a normal week and you didn't allow the disease to mentally defeat you which in which would in, uh which would basically change your thought process and and in a lot of ways, defeat you physically as well. I'm not giving myself any credit for that because I know that all was through the power of God and with his, through his love and, you know, how he helped me through it all. And then I forgot to tell you this part. During, even during my um, chemo treatments, you know, I had a, a car accident. I know. I know. I remember. <laughs> I remember that because it was that year, BG, that this was the year that I felt like my mother was under attack. And the reason I felt like that, because it wasn't just going through the cancer, um, but she basically had an accident that totaled the Mitsubishi that we had, and hence the car that she drives now. But it totaled that car. And I remember uh, my brother calling me and just telling me about how uh, it was a rainy day, and I believe you was actually going around to get on the interstate, going around that, that circle, and you yeah. got into that accident where the car just totally flipped and it, it totaled it. Right. But I walked out. I did not have to be. What happened is when I was getting um, on the interstate, it wasn't, it was a misty day. It was dew on the ground. But mm-hmm. I don't know how it happened, but I ended up flipping and, and I ended up with the driver's side up um, and the, the passenger side down on the ground. So, I was on leaning on the side, and they had to cut the the glass out the the dash the uh, windshield out in order for me to walk out of the car. And the only damage I had two things that happened to my body at that time. One is that I got a cut under my chin that I had to have stitched up, and the other was um, my little finger on my left hand was broken. And when I got to the hospital this was on a saturday morning i was headed to work when i got to the hospital what they did was uh they they first of all they didn't want me to come to that hospital they wanted to take me to another hospital called a trauma hospital but i wasn't going there you know (laughs) i stayed i went to the hospital that was close to where i was getting my treatments at so they stitched me up and they took an x-ray of me and all that and they took an x-ray of my hand and i got up the next morning and i went to work when I got to work, got home from work that evening, I had a message on the answering machine saying that, oh, you do have a broke finger. <laughs> I t- oh. kept telling the doctor something was wrong with my finger, and my left finger on my left hand was broken. I remember. But those were the two things that happened. And, and it's stories like that, BG, and this is why I, I remember all of that like it was like it was yesterday. And this is one of those memories that I'll never forget because I remember that year and I felt like something or someone was trying to take her life and for her to overcome those things just showed to me how, how, how much of a survivor she is. Um, but it also just speaks, in my opinion, to, to worth, understanding your self-worth and understanding that that life is bigger than us and that because it's bigger than us uh, we have the opportunity to to share our story and be an inspiration to other people i did go to church that next day before i went to work and i can remember now that um it was during that time that during the message um i heard a word it said a lot of what he was talking about himself when he was teaching this teaching us but he said a lot of what I go through is not for me and it was that statement that he made that made me realize that there were a lot of things happening that it really wasn't for me 
So I just kind of like, at that point, I knew that I was experiencing some things, but it wasn't necessarily, the lesson wasn't all the time for me. It could have been for somebody else to see and to know that, you know, we go through things in life, but they don't have to take you out because they take you down for a minute. How, what would you like to leave with this audience, mama? What would you like to, to share as we, as we get ready to wrap up and, and, and really just be appreciative for you joining us. You got the the last 10 minutes or so to really be a witness and, and, and to use this platform to, to, to tell your, not only to just tell your story, but what would you like people, women that are going through this, young people that listen to this, to leave away and take away from this story? Um, wow. One of the things is, it's like, you know, life is full of lessons. And it's what we do with those lessons that we that we go through is to how we can live life. We can either let it take us out, take us down, or we can overcome. And by you know, and it's not all about you the person, it's about to me it's about my belief in God and how He teaches me every day. You know, I find you we find lessons every day. And so everything that we go through, there uh is knowledge in there that we need to take out and see what that knowledge can do for us or what we can do with the knowledge that we get. And then you don't I don't you don't come out bitter behind certain things. They are you know, you come you come out better. And you realize that some things you think are important not necessarily are as important as you thought they were. You and I have these conversations. Yes. Uh, we we talk a lot about life. We talk a lot about um, I am, <laughs> uh, which, yes. is, which is a very yes. which is a topic that I want to have on this show eventually. Uh, we talk okay. a lot about um, just spirituality um, and and being able to take the omens and the journey and the things you experience on a daily basis and understand what that means because it's not a coincidence. That that doctor that you spoke about earlier just so happened to show up. I believe that that was a godsend. I do too, and I know this that at the end of the you know at the end of my treatments, she left. <laughs> she came and, and she, she left. Especially came especially for you. That's what I believe <laughs> because and she was she did she she did her job what she had to do to help me to get through, and then. And then she left, and she went back to Texas. That's what I'm saying. So I I, I know that for a fact that that, that was a godsend. But um, to hear you tell the story just makes it more personable and more real. Extremely appreciative for for Miss Mary coming on and and spending time and talking to us about this. Man, I can remember being in pharmacy school, and of course we had a section in our studies that talked about breast cancer and, and and how breast cancer occurs and then medication treatment. But it was so far removed. But as as we get older, I'm becoming more and more aware of it because there are so many people that are close to me that are dealing with breast cancer as well as other cancers in some form or fashion. So this is like real information um, and things that, that we need to put out there for um, especially the women in our community, to be familiar with your family history as it relates to certain disease states. Um, speaking for breast cancer specifically, it's the most common cancer among African-American women um, and the second leading cause of cancer death. So for all the ladies out there, make sure you do what you need to do in lines of knowing your own body, getting those exams done, your physicals, if you're of age, getting those mammograms done and doing all the things that you need to do to, to stay aware of what's going on. And as support and family members, we also need to be speaking this kind of language and making sure that our loved ones are taking care of themselves and getting the type of therapy that they need. So once again, Ms. Mary, thank you so much for enlightening us um, and sharing your testimony with us on this uh, podcast. Yeah, okay, definitely. Thank you, and and I second that because BG for people that 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 
most people don't know my mom. And, and, and she doesn't boast. She doesn't brag. She doesn't really tell this story. Um, she hasn't, I mean, even some of the items that we discussed today was my first time hearing some, some of this information and hearing what she had to go through because she just doesn't share. She keeps it to herself and she, and she just continues to go about her day and go work every day and works a lot. Probably one of the hardest working people that I know. Um, but for her to get on this platform and to really open up and share, that's a big step in my eyes. And it's really important um, to me. Uh, so I do want to say thank you, Mama, for just coming on here and really just... I mean, you, you did something that, that I've always wanted you to do. I don't even think, did you even share it at the church yet? I did back in, yeah, when I, when it was most of it, when it was over, yeah, I did, I did a testimony at church. Yeah. And I, now I do help people who come in to work and I know that they're going through and I will share things with them to give them encouragement. I don't just tell everybody all the time, but I do tell people who it would be a benefit to. Because um, they have we have I have a lot lot of patients coming in and they're going through and so I try to help them to see that they can go through and make it. And that's why I wanted to capture this, Mama. We use this podcast not only to to share with with our listeners and specifically for this particular month being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but I want to capture this story personally. Um, so that I can share with, 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 with my loved ones, similar to what we did with Cook, being able to share his story, um, and being able to have it documented so that we can share with our family. So, so thank you. Any, any way that you, should, should we have the people reach out to you? <laughs> the man, what's your Instagram? <laughs> you know, I'm not sharing anything like that. I don't have an Instagram. She I have an email and a, I'm on Facebook and I don't give uh, it all out. Yo, yo, I listen to, I listen to, I, I observe a lot. I don't, I don't give out a lot. I observe a lot. Yo, I'm not even on Facebook. You on Facebook? I read a lot. B, BG, she on Facebook. <laughs> she she, she watching. She watch. She watch the real Hawaii show. You really a thug for real, mama. Uh. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that I'm putting up business out there. Me and my sister were like, what? You watching the Hawaii? What? What is that? She said she got an email in the Facebook and she don't give it out. <laughs> hey, BG, I can't the people reach us. <laughs> reach us for, for podcasts and blogs, freelunchpodcast.com. Also, check for us on Instagram, freelunchpodcast. Twitter, let us know what you think, freelunchpodc. And be sure to check for our interviews and podcasts and all such as that on YouTube, Free Lunch TV. <laughs> hey, Mama, what? Do you have a favorite show that we've done? Oh, I like the last one. Very, very good. I really like the last one with Ayers. With, uh, with uh, Bill Ayers? Yes. Oh, thank yeah, you. I'm going to listen to it again because I heard some things in there. You know, people... Some people are true and some aren't, and I saw the truth. And yeah. and wait till you hear some of these other ones that we have coming up. We got some more really big interviews coming up uh, that that we're gonna be releasing soon. So thank you for being a day one listener. Day one. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. uh, anybody you want to shout out? Anybody you want to shout out on the podcast? Thank you for the vine. <laughs> for the vine. <laughs> you welcome. You welcome. This is the free lunch podcast. We are home to the New South Movement and the New South Movement Network. I am tight. This is BGZ. Yeah, yeah. And my mama. Shout out to my mama. You going to shout somebody out, mama? No, I'm good. All right, we <laughs> out of here. Oh, to Peyton. Part, huh? I shout out to Peyton. Shout out to my, my niece, uh, Peyton. So, Peyton, when, uh, when uh, your dad listened to this, uh, Rona, make certain you, you let Peyton hear her name on the podcast. So, shout out to Peyton. I better say Rachel and Taylor too, Liam. Yeah, Rachel, Rachel and Taylor, shout out to y'all too. So we out of here. Peace. Let's go, let's go, let's get it. Let's go, let it go.